That song is such a blessing, isn't it? No matter what God calls you to go, even like Josh and Candace down there, surrounded by people that don't even speak Spanish, let alone English. We're not alone. We couldn't go alone. It's a joy to have Josh and Candace here. Josh grew up right around the corner from my boys down there on 6th Street. And uh, his, his brothers and my sons were buddies growing up. And then Josh ministered as our worship leader here. And then he went to seminary and went to Mexico. And uh, they are beginning now that phase of ministry that Jeff Brown challenged us with back in the early 80s to be able to go to this unreached people group, the Tatamahara Indians down there in the Copper Canyon. And uh, it's just exciting to kind of be on the front lines and be a part. He's on the front lines. We're a part of him being on the front lines, him and Candace. And so, Josh, you come and minister to us. I know your hearts are going to be challenged today. Good morning. Let's turn in our Bibles to Romans chapter 15. Well, this morning we, we would like to just share a little bit about what, we, what we've been doing, what we are going to be doing uh, down in Mexico um, to start off with. Then I'd like to share a little bit about this passage in Romans, be challenged uh, by Paul's example, how Paul was able to um, stay focused. God called him to a specific uh, task, which was church planning among the unreached people groups. And just going to take a look at that. Um, and I want to challenge the church with how we might be involved, uh, maybe in a deeper way, uh, in reaching the unreached people groups in the world. So uh, three things we're going to do this morning. Um, let's start, start by reading this. I'm going to read this verse, in Romans chapter 15, verse 20, a verse that's had a big impact on my life and drew us to Mexico. Paul talking here, saying, and, I, and so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he was not announced, they shall see, and those who have not heard shall understand. Let's pray. Lord, we, we see your gospel call. We see your heart here in reaching the unreached people uh, with the gospel. We know that you have uh, chosen us in you before time began. You are, it is your, your heart to reach those who are scattered that have no pastor, that have no one to lead them to Christ. We just thank you that you came to us that the gospel came to us one day, you drew us to yourself, and you are pastoring us, you are shepherding us, you are our father, you are our friend, and we are humbled, and it's a joy to serve you, and we just pray this morning that you would uh, open our eyes to the scripture, that we would be, our, our mission would be one and the same, to uh, see your name glorified in all the earth, as the waters cover the sea, so shall your glory cover the earth. We just ask that you do a work um, in us, in this world, Lord, uh, a world that needs you, that's dying without you, people that don't know you live in fear of you because they haven't met you. Um, we just ask that you would introduce yourself, that you would present yourself to, to the world, that you would use uh, people that would uh, proclaim your name, proclaim your gospel. And we just ask that you'd be with us this morning, that your Holy Spirit would descend, would give us wisdom and insights, and that you would challenge us, 
with these, uh, um, with these words in Romans. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, so my name is Josh Rose. Uh, Candice is my wife. Uh, we, we are sent out as missionaries from this church. This is our sending church. We don't work with a mission agency per se, but we work through you. In a, with a church in, in Huachochi, Mexico. So we, we live uh, about 450 miles south of Juarez. Um, this church takes, has taken many mission trips down there through the years. I took my first trip when I was in school here, uh, going to college in 2002, during the days when David Martin was here and Lucas McCain and, and others, Vosix. Uh, we first went to Mexico, saw the work, and I couldn't get enough. I remember going and asking the missionaries after a week, uh, when, when can I come back? And they said, well, you can come back this summer. And so Mike Gorski and I went down for, for a month. Uh, those, of you know, those of you who remember Mike, we went down for a month and uh, spent, spent uh, some time working in Huachochi, got to know the missionaries better, got to know the work better. And the missionary that was working down there that helped start the church, his name's Ed Capps, he was always challenging us, whatever group, whatever person was down there, with this gospel call to the unreached which is Romans 15:20. So I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he was not announced, they shall see. Those who have not heard shall understand. So this morning, I'd just like to report a little bit, give a little report on, on what we've been doing, what we do, and what we're going to be doing. We've, like Pastor was saying, we're switching gears a little bit. Our ministry is taking a little bit of a turn. So as you can see on the screen, there's, uh, I'm going to go to the next slide. We, what we've been doing over the past few years is learning Spanish, which takes time, teaching English in a Christian school. Um, Candace did that for six years, um, just getting ready to get out of that to start it, to take a, to, to do something else. Um, but three years ago, we started doing Bible studies. We got to where our Spanish was, was good enough to where we could minister uh, doing Bible studies and also minister in the church, do, teach in the church. Um, and, and do evangelistic Bible studies outside of church. So this is one of the areas we've been going to uh, for the last two years. A lady from our church in Wachochi, she, this, is her fran- this is her family that we were trying to reach, her parents. Um, so the last two years we've been doing chronological Bible studies, taking people from, from the creation uh, before the world was created, and how God uh, gave us his word, gave us his prophets, uh, uh, created the world and gave us the word, and then takes us through uh, the prophets until uh, the time of Jesus. So that's, that's kind of how we proceed when we first start working with the new people, and that's what we've been doing with these, with this, these families up there in a place called La Mesa Colorada. So that's uh, our, our ministry up to this point has been in Spanish. All we, we've, uh, it was a big deal to learn Spanish, and, and now it's a big deal to learn the, the Tarahumara language. We feel like to reach them well, we need to learn their language and to understand their culture. And so... The group that will, the team that we're going to be working with, uh, that's something they emphasize greatly is learning a language, teaching the people in their heart language. Um, so that's what we've been doing. The, the area we work with, work in, is called the Copper Canyon. We're right on the edge of this huge canyon. It's rugged. Um, we're 8,000 feet, and it drops off down into to 1,500 feet down where the rivers are. So it's very rugged. Several rivers kind of combine. Um, in, in that area, and so the people, the Tarahumaras live spread out. There's about 100,000 of them, but they live very spread out. So it's not like you have these, uh, these urban areas of co- high concentration. Huachochi is the biggest town in the area, and it's about 20,000 people, but everyone else lives scattered out. So language is, 
are going to be our main focus this year. If you could change the slide, Ryan. Um, we've, we're just joining a new team. Um, these are Pioneers missionaries we work with. The, the agency is called Pioneers. We are not Pioneers. We're not joining them, but we're going to be working alongside them. So to give you an idea, the, 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 the context of who we'll be working with, the, the couple on the lower right, uh, Billy and Erica, they're, they are language specialists. They teach the language. Uh, they learned, They took a language course from some other missionaries who spent 10 years learning the language, developed a course, put it together, taught them, and now they're teaching others. So this, this, the language is really expanding the, the, the availability to, to learn it fast or, or quickly and better is, is opening up. Um, and they're part of that. So we're working with them. He is also a pilot. Um, she's a missionary kid. Uh, the other family up top there, he is a pilot, and uh, his wife, Carmen, is a doctor. So we work with Mark and Carmen. She's instrumental in getting us into this new community called Rowerachi. She's been there for 10 years. She, been, she worked with a Christian hospital, or a, a hospital started by Christians in the area where she would, they would send her out. That's kind of a traveling uh, nurse, a doctor. So she'd go to these communities and give up medicine, do checkups in these places where the people have no medical no access to medical care. So the reason why we're there or able to get into this community is because she, she broke down the barriers which were outsiders are typically not welcome in these communities. You don't just come in and, and just start going door to door. You have to be invited. You have to be accepted by the people. Otherwise, the government won't let you live with them. If they don't want you there, you don't, you don't live there. And so through medical, through literacy, a lot of times we get access into these communities. And so Carmen and her husband, uh, he's a pilot, He's been, they were able to build an airstrip there and get patients in and out that needed medical uh, care um, until just recently the airstrip was, was closed down. So, so to get to this community, we, we have to drive four hours, three and a half hours to four hours on, on half of it's paved, half of it's dirt road, and then we have to hike eight miles. So it's, a, it's kind of an isolated community off, off in the mountains. Most places you can get to by roads, but there are some communities where you can't get to by roads, uh, only by airplane, and this is one of them. So we're, we'll be working with this, com uh, this team. The girl on the left next to Candace there holding the baby, that is the Dr. Carmen's sister. Her name's Jasmine. She is uh, working literacy program, developing a literacy, literacy program. So she'll be teaching um, people that don't know how to read and write how to read and write so that they can eventually uh, be able to read the Bible, uh, which is important for... Uh, long-term success in, in any, anywhere you go. People need to be able to read to be able to uh, study the Bible on their own. Um, just so you know, we're here to challenge people to the mission field. We, we, want, we want you to be a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, you're going to be looking down, looking away, and hoping I don't look at you. We want people to think about going to unreached people groups, going to the mission field, whether it be doctors, nurses, uh, literacy workers, uh, church planners, the work is big. There's much to do. Mexico and in other places. Well, we want you to consider how the Lord might use you, uh, yes, you, uh, to do the work. So consider this. I want you to be challenged. Mark told me before I left, he, he said, you're going to the States for a month? He said, hey, bring some people back with you. So uh, that's, that's my goal. We got room. We got, there's just two of us. We got five-seater cars. There's room for three in our car. So if anybody decides they want to go to, go to Mexico, it's not too late. You got till Tuesday to make up your mind. So that's kind of who we, who we're, what we're doing, who we're working with. Um, 
our big focus for the next few years is going to be language. We don't, we don't have a handle on the language. We know some stuff. We studied the course, but we, we need to be immersed. That's what we did in Spanish. We took three solid years of just study to where we could be fluent and able to teach well. Um, we're not experts in language. We're not linguists, but, but somebody who, who studies hard can get it. Um, so don't let the language scare you. We're, we're not linguists, but you can pick it up. Mark isn't either. He learned, when he was, he learned Spanish when he was in his 40s. Um, you, you might be saying, well, we're, I'm not trained for this. I, it's, not, it's not my plan. I don't have any, it's never crossed my mind. It doesn't matter. Uh, Yasmin was, was studied chemistry, and now she's teaching literacy to Tatamara Indians. Uh, Candace was an animal science major. She wanted to work with cows, and now she's working with people. So God can change, change your hearts. God can change your plans. Are we willing to, if that's what, what, if that's what he wants? Um, so hopefully, hopefully we've, we're challenged in that, in that sense. But overall, more than anything, God, we need to understand God's work is not done. God's work is bigger than Laramie. We really appreciate what's going on here. And we, it's a joy. Three services. This is exhausting. I don't know how you're going to do it. We'll pray for strength for you. But uh, um, this is beautiful to see the growth. But we must, must never lose focus that God is still doing stuff. There's places where people, where his, there's no songs and no Christian songs, only secular music. But there's no, there's no praise to him or it doesn't exist because they don't know him. So we must never lose focus that God is, is not done and we can be a part of that and we must be a part of that. So, um, go ahead and go to the next slide. Okay, this is the community. A little, give you an idea of where we're at. It's, I don't know how well you can see that. It's, it's kind of down this little valley. There's maybe, maybe 20 houses, maybe 15 houses. There's not a lot of people. Um, but it's rugged land, so to get, our, to get food in and out, we, we'll, we'll be packing it in on our backpacks and in mules. So it's a, it's a rugged place, difficult access but it's, it's accessible. The, these people are known for their endurance. The Tarahumara Indians, if you've, if you've read, there's a book on them, not a good book, but there's a book on them that talks about their, their endurance runners. They can run uh, distances, great distances, 100 kilometers uh, without stopping, and there's races down where we're at. So um, they're athletic people. They're, they live rugged lives. Uh, last week we were in Colorado, and somebody asked, why, why do these guys plant, why are they planting corn on the sides of mountains? <laughs> well, that's where they live. They, they, that's, they have no choice. They were, they were forced into the mountains by, by uh, probably the Spaniards and, and, and other Indian tribes that were more aggressive, and they've learned to live in the rugged mountains of Mexico. And so to, to live among them, to learn their language, we have to live among them and, and try to live like them. So that's kind of a, give you an idea of, of what, uh, where, where we are. Go ahead and go to the next slide. So this is, we went there last, last July, this July, a month ago, two months ago for the first time. Candace and I and Carmen hiked in. She had her little baby on the back. If you think, well, we have kids. I can't go there. She's got a little baby on the back, a year old, and she hiked her in uh, eight miles. And, and uh, it's possible. These, things are, these places are hard to get to, but they're, they are accessible. So um, don't let anything bother you. If it's the Lord's will that, that you go, he'll get you there. He'll take care of you. Um, go ahead and go to the next slide. Um, just to give you an idea, there, this community where we'll be working is pretty small, but all around us there's, there are communities where there's no gospel impact, where there's nobody else. There's some Jesuit priests that, that work in a, in a neighboring community, um, but for the most part there's no evangelical presence right in this, in this particular area. So 
this girl, this little Taramata girl is showing us where she lives. Her, her name's Genevieve. Uh, and she's showing us her community called Awirachi, uh, which is about three hours, four hours walk for them. For us, it's probably like three days. Uh, it's long, it's, you gotta go down and up the other side. And she's saying that's, that's where she lives. Um, so we got to know her. Um, there's no gospel, gospel contact with that community over there. Go ahead and go to the next one. And then Mark's showing us two other communities uh, looking off to the west, looking off to the Pacific. Um, he's showing us, I don't, the one community is called Chinibo, which is down lower, and then another one up top. I'm not sure what the name was. At, uh, but there's 20, 30 houses over here, 20 or 30 houses over there, and all these people living in darkness. They have no, no idea of, of the gospel. So Mark's, Mark's there showing us where these people are. He, sent, he was telling me at that moment, he said, there's a guy that lives over in that community that wants the Bible studies. He wants us to teach him the Bible studies, but, but we haven't, able to, when, haven't been able to go to him yet. We haven't been able to get there. So um, hopefully this morning you'll be challenged to pray for us, pray for this team as we, as we try to reach these areas with the gospel. Uh, maybe, you, maybe the Lord will have you be part of that. Um, maybe you'll go. As far as short-term trips, they're, they're, this church still takes trips down there. Uh, we would love to have you down there uh, for short-term. Somebody asked me that earlier. Are there short-term trip possibilities? Absolutely. We would love to get you down there and show you where to go. We'll meet you at the border. We'll take you down there. Uh, we can get you involved if you're interested. So um, that's kind of where we're at. Um, I'd like to move to the Bible now. Give us a challenge coming from Paul. Um, this is the verse, the, the verses that really challenged me. The missionary that we work with, uh, never let me forget this. Uh, he was, as we went off to seminary uh, and were considering where to go afterwards, uh, God used this verse, these verses that he had, he had spoken to us uh, many times about, bring, about our neighbor in Me- Mexico. We're, we're good about sending missionaries a, a lot of places, but he said, um, Mexico's right next door, and we think it, I guess we think it's reached, been reached with the gospel. He said, these people are living in darkness. They don't, they don't know. They don't know the gospel. And he said, we're not, we're not sending people there. So he said, uh, he was always challenging the groups, to the, the people that come down, would you consider coming to Mexico? We're right here. It's right next door. Uh, earlier I said, um, as far as cost living expenses where we're at it's extremely cheap to live where we are we are the bargain basement missionaries we you you don't have to spend much on us if you ask us what are your needs how can we help you financially Uh, you know what we've been taken care of it doesn't take much what it does take are are people what it takes are boots on the ground we need people to to go down and be willing to to help and we thank this church that that have come down and helped us build our house uh, where we have a base of operations Um, but more than anything money is not what we need we need preachers. We need doctors. We need literacy workers. We need people that are willing to come down uh, and, do, and do the work uh, more than anything else. But we can tell you how you can help out financially uh, with other ministries um, in other ways if you're interested. Um, so uh, Ed Capps, he's the missionary that kind of helped start the church down there. He went down there in 1979, uh, endured hardships. They were all by themselves. There was nobody else. And, and they were able to start a church, and that's the church we work with. So we, we were working with a Spanish-speaking church in Mexico, um, sent by you guys, but working with a Spanish-speaking church in Mexico. But um, why did we go there? Because Ed challenged us with this verse. His goal was to reach the gospel. Uh, reach, I've made, made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named. So consider Mexico. Consider, uh, consider what God would, 
would do through you. I'd like to read some of these verses. I'd like to start in verse 14 and kind of give us the context of Paul. What did Paul have to deal with, the apostle, to come to this point in his life where he would say this? Uh, what, what, what is going on in here in Romans? And I think it's important for, for us to never lose sight of this. He says in verse 14, Romans 15, verse 14, Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and, and also able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you because of the grace given to me by God that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus and the things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of these things uh, which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make, known, to make the Gentiles obedient in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God so that from Jerusalem and roundabout to Illyricum I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should be built on another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he was not announced, they shall see, and those who have not heard shall understand. Verse 22, for this reason, I have also been much hindered from coming to you, but now no longer having a place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come to you, whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you. For I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you, if first I may enjoy your company for a while. <clears throat> what we see, first of all, is, is Paul's commitment to his call. He was set aside. You remember in Romans uh, 14, I think it was, when him and Barnabas were set aside by God for this work. He said, as they were praying and fasting, the Holy Spirit set them aside for this work. They were chosen by God to do something unique, which was... Take the gospel to the unreached. This whole Roman world was unreached with the gospel. They knew the language. They were citizens. They had easy access. It was just a matter of God choosing them, setting them aside, and them going. So Paul, Paul, Paul has a commitment to this, to this uh, call. And it's astounding to see, I think, what, what is the temptation that Paul could have been under. Because he says, I long to see you. Romans 1, he says, I've never, I've, I haven't been there but I have a desire to see you. So he's never been to this church before, but he knows a lot of people there. He's heard of their fame. He's heard of their, the things that they're doing, that God's doing through them. And he says, man, I'd really like to go see you guys. But he says, look in 14, verse 14, he says, I'm confident concerning you that you are also full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and, a, and able also to admonish one another. What is he saying? He's saying, I, but I recognize you're an established church. You guys are doing really well. You're fighting the good fight. I've instructed you on some things, but I would love to come see you, but God has not permitted me yet. He has hindered, I've been hindered to coming to you because God called me to the unreached. God set me aside for this work, and I'm not willing to not do what God called me to do to come visit you. I'm prioritizing. The, the unreached are my priority. God set me aside for that. So as much as I want to see you, I've got a job to do. If God permits, I'd like to go to Spain. And this is what's incredible. He says, and there's really no more room for me left here. He's been all over from Jerusalem to Illyricum, which is modern-day Albania, which is on the east side of Italy, which is a huge area. 
for him to say, I would love to come to you. I've been hindered because I've been church planning, but now there's no more room for me here in this 1,200-mile path. God, he had planted churches the whole way. And God, he says, I, there's, there's nowhere else to go. But my goal is to reach the unreached. So what does he say? I'm going to Spain. In Spain, there's still no church. So Paul makes up his mind, I'm going to go to Spain. I hope I can see you in Rome on my way to Spain. But if not, I've got a job to do. I hope I can. And we don't know if Paul ever made it to Spain. The gospel did eventually get to Spain. But we don't know if Paul ended up getting there. But we do see his steadfastness concerning his call. I will not deviate from what God has called me to do because the need is so great. These guys will die without Christ. And we see that. That's what, that's what drives us, drove us to Mexico is, wow, these guys are dying. They're going to die without Christ. If they don't know him, if nobody teaches them, they will not be able to accept his salvation. Matthew Henry, on, talking about this, Matthew Henry says, the apostle sought the things of Christ more than his own will and would not leave his work of planting churches to go to Rome. It concerns all to do that which is most needful. It concerns all to do that which is most needful. So as we plan, as we plan our church strategies, or, 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 or what, do we, what, do, what is our church focus? This has to be priority. It always has to be a priority. Reaching the unreached. How do we do that? What, what, is, what is the Southern Baptist Conference doing to do that? What is our church in Laramie doing to do that? We thank you guys for supporting us because you recognized in us that call and you sent us and you've supported us ever since. We appreciate that. <clears throat> Paul was unwilling to leave his work to do anything else. Even though it would have been super tempting to just go relax. He's probably been, he's, we know he's been through the ringer up to this point, shipwrecked. He said, I've been, in Second Corinthians, he says, I've been shipwrecked. I've been beaten. I've been stoned. He's suffered all these trials at the hands of the Jews that are trying to disturb his work, to try to put, a, put out the fire. And Paul's battling. And he comes to this point in his life where he, he probably could have easily said, you know what, there's no more room. I'm just going to go, I'm going to go help the church grow in Rome. That's my, that's, that's what I really, I really feel like that it's time, that's the time of my life, time of my ministry. But even though Paul's been through it all, he still keep going because he's focused on these people that don't know Christ. So what sounds more appealing? Frontier ministry in Spain or visiting the brother in Rome? Well, what's more appealing? Paul, didn't, Paul, Paul set aside what was probably more appealing and went and did what was most urgent, what was most needful. And he focused on that. Um, Paul, Paul said his, his, his ambition was to take the gospel to then reach and nothing would deter him. Um, one of my favorite books that I read in seminary was on uh, William Carey. And I'm going to point out a danger in, in, in losing sight of this. The reason why I'm going through this is because there's a danger that the church can face in losing sight of, of what the big picture is or losing sight of the unreached or that people are out there that don't, have never heard the name of Jesus. Uh, William Carey lived in a time in England where, where, when what was called hyper-Calvinism was very present. Hyper-Calvinism was the idea that God was going to do what he was going to do without you or I. 
God would do what he's going to do without the, the, the church, without people. So William Carey said, uh, he starts analyzing this. He, he, he looked at maps. William Carey loved looking at maps. He was a shoemaker that would stand and making his, his shoes, repairing shoes, and all the while looking at the maps. As discoveries, discoveries were being made all across the world, William Carey's taking the maps of these guys that are coming home and, and looking at the world and, and thinking about the people that are living all across the world. So his mind is focused on the lost, even as he's at work. That's a, that's a challenge to us right there, isn't it? It doesn't matter. I love Ben, Chan- ben Sanchez's story that he's memorizing scripture at work. Even though you're at work, what, how can your mind be focused on the lost? Or how can your mind be focused on God, his glory? How can you be useful even at work um, in thinking of these things? So Paul, uh, William Carey's there working at his, at his bench, thinking about the lost, and he starts to challenge the church. Sh- shouldn't we go? Do we have a responsibility to go? Shouldn't we go to these places? And the church at the time is saying, one guy stood up in one of these meetings that they had, and he told William Carey, hey, if God's going to save the lost, he'll do it without you or me. That was hyper-Calvinism. And it stopped the work. It, it, the work among the, uh, the unreached was dead. There was nothing going on. Until William Carey stood up and said, I think well, when Jesus said, go into all the nations and preach the gospel, baptizing them, teaching them to be obedient, he was said, William Carey, that applies to us. That's, that, that commandment is for us too. And they said, no, that wasn't for them. That's, that, that was for the apostles. That wasn't for you. That's not for us. Don't worry about that. He says, I, I really think it applies to us. I think we have to go. So he, he starts getting support, and, and, and not very many people are supporting him. And to back up his words, he decided, I'm going to India. I'm going to go. Even if nobody else goes, I'm going to go. And he was able to get some support from Andrew Fuller, one of the pastors at that time, gets on a boat, and it pleads with his wife to come with him. And his wife says, no way, I ain't going to India. <laughs> I'm sure she said it just like that too. I ain't going to India. Um, I'm thankful that God, God put it in my wife's heart to go to Mexico. She's, she's not there against her will. We both really enjoy the work. The first, I will tell you, the first two, three years were brutal. Uh, learning the language is, is, is so not fun. I don't know a better adjective, to, but it is, it is difficult. It, we did not like it at all, and we were homesick. Um, but after, God, after we got through that, uh, God really gave us a joy in, in, in being in Mexico. We'd rather be there than anywhere else, honestly. I can honestly say that. William Carey's poor wife was not the case. He said, I've got to go. The call, was, the, 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 the call of the Lord to reach the lost was so strong. He said, I'm willing to sacrifice my own marriage. I'm not saying this is a good idea. William Carey, is, this is not the best example. What I'm saying, that his love was so great, or his, the urgency was so great, he said, we've got to go. His wife, finally, he persuaded her to come with him, and then she ends up having a terrible time. She loses her mind. She has a nervous breakdown. She dies basically insane on the mission field. And you think, wow, was it worth it? I don't know. But I look at, I don't think that's the best way to do it, but I look at the, the, what has come of it, and William Carey's influence in the world is extremely great. What he did in India was none less than, than the work of God in a mighty way. He was able to learn like 40 dialects of different dialects of the language in India. Unbelievable. The Lord just gave him a gift to, to be able to do that. The Lord used him in a mighty way. But it all started from his love for the lost. He recognized this is our job to go there, not just to stay here, but to go. Some of us have to go. And God will use us in a mighty way. God will do the work through us. 
So um, powerful, powerful stuff. I, I, you guys can, I, I got a little bit of a tune out earlier from, from, from somebody saying, hey, be careful with how you talk about William Carey. This guy's not a good guy. I, I, I'm not saying he did everything right. What I'm saying is that William Carey is a good example of someone who actually really did love the lost and was willing to, to go when nobody else would. No, no, nobody else would. Um, just another story of, of, of a, a hero of mine to show you the love that, that certain people have had for the lost. David Brainerd was another missionary that went to the, he was in New Jersey at the time when there were still Indians, Native Americans around New Jersey and in Pennsylvania area. David Brainerd um, lived in the mid-1700s, around the time Jonathan Edwards was alive, uh, so 1730s, 1740s. Uh, he goes to school. He wants to be, a, he gets saved in his lower 20s, early, or late teens, or early 20s. He gets saved. He goes to school. There, at that time, there was three seminaries. He wanted to be a pastor. That's all he wanted to do. His lifelong dream was to be a pastor uh, since he got saved. Um, what he wanted to do was to go be a, study to be a pastor. He goes to Yale, um, is studying, gets through a couple of years, and then makes a comment about one, one of his teachers, about one of the people that worked at, at Yale, and he ends up getting kicked out of Yale, which put an end to his pastoral dreams. He couldn't be a pastor anymore because he couldn't graduate from the seminary. If you don't graduate from the seminary, you can't be a pastor. So he says, oh, man, what am I going to do? That was, he, he was beating himself up over it. And some of the people that he knew says, hey, David, we want to send you off. We want you to be a missionary to the Indians. We want you to go to these Indians and, and learn the language and share the gospel, live among them and, and work among them. And, and it doesn't matter your seminary. So he goes and he starts learning the language. Over During a year period, he works with a translator, learns the language and is ministering to these Indians. And people are getting saved in this one village he was at, over 130 people got saved. And then a new opportunity comes in his hometown. Remember, all he wanted to do was be a pastor. He goes to this, uh, these guys invite him and they say, David, we want you to come be our pastor in your hometown. So David's like, what do I do? I've got this call to the mission field. I recognize these guys need the gospel, but I've also always wanted to be a pastor. What did he do? He said, he turned it down. He said, I can't do it. He said, I can't leave. If, if I leave the Indians, who's going to teach him? So he spent another, I think, two, two more years ministering the Indians until he died of tuberculosis at 29 years old. You think, wow, he was able to set aside his lifelong dream because he loved the Indians. Was, was, was he in love with living among the Indians? I don't think so. I think it was very difficult for him to live there. I think it was very uncomfortable. He was sick almost the whole time. But he set all aside his comforts because he recognized the urgency, what is most needful. And he stayed true to his calling. Not all of us are, are called to be missionaries. I'm not elevating missionary work above anything else. I hope you don't get that. This is, this is, that's not the point. The point is, for, for, first place, we have a responsibility as a church to reach the lost. We must never lose sight of that. In Williams Carey's time, they lost sight of that. And it had to be recaptured. We hope that that never has to happen among us, that there has to be a recapturing of this missionary drive to the unreached. And second place, what is your spiritual gift? How has God gifted you to serve, to, to, to serve in the local church? We treasure this more than most people, I think, the, the value of the local church because we've, we've seen life outside and life inside. God has saved you. Jesus, the Bible says in Ephesians, Jesus right, went into heaven and the Holy Spirit descended to the gives gifts to men. 
he, the Holy Spirit came down to gift you to minister in the church. So what, what does God have for you? Whether, whether it be mission field or whatever it, whatever it is, don't lose sight of what God has selected you for, gifted you to do. Do it with all you, with all you have. You will be more content doing that than anything else. I guarantee it. But we must never lose sight of, 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 of God's goal in reaching the lost for Christ. I want to challenge you uh, with, to, to, to finish up, just a just challenge to the church. How can we be involved? How can we perhaps more, I understand a lot of you are already involved in reaching the unreached. A lot of you already pray. But I just recognize a few things. Jesus said in Matthew 9, 36, Matthew said that Jesus saw the multitudes, was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. I'd like to show you the next slide. Uh, give you an idea of kind of the, the way people live, the, the, their lifestyle, or their religious lifestyle. Depends. It's a f- 100% man-centered, how works-based religion. These guys are at, the, at a Catholic church. They're, they're tarumadas. They're syncretistic, which means they, they have their traditional beliefs mixed with Catholicism, creating kind of a new religion. And so what they do, like in Easter, around the time of Easter, when, when we're celebrating Christ's uh, death and resurrection, they are at the, the Catholic church dancing, dancing around this. They, they put up crosses, and all for, for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all they're doing is dancing trying to earn God's favor, trying to show God, we're serious. We're serious about this. We're dancing with all our might. Someone will dance all night, and they'll get tired, and have to sleep for a little bit, and they'll wake up and start dancing again, all to just try to gather God's favor. May God look at us favorably. But does that, is that how it works? Is that truth? That's not how it works according to the Bible. We're justified freely through his grace, through faith. So, um, like sheep without a shepherd. Whenever we see these festivals, whenever we see them doing these things, we just look at them with compassion, not judging them, but showing, uh, thinking, this is not working. You're doing all this, and it doesn't get you anywhere with God. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Um, These are some just more pictures of what they do going around the crosses, and they'll just be dancing in circles um, for, for days on end. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Um, on Saturday, they, they take a they take a, a make a kind of a mannequin, a, a doll, like a life size doll, stuff these clothing this clothes clothing with straw, and they uh, on Saturday they they they're carrying Judas. This is supposed to be Judas. They say this is Judas Iscariot, the one that betrayed Christ. And on Saturday in uh, in the middle of the day, um, they take this this doll and they start spearing him like they're killing him. And they say this we're this is guy is a traitor. And if you ask anybody what they're doing, why they're doing it, nobody really knows. All they know is that they're, they're just throwing spears at this, this doll, and they don't really know why. And so what we've been able to do with some of the people in the Bible studies is explain the, the truth. What, what does God, how does God deal with vengeance? Judas betrayed him, yeah. But what did Jesus do? What was Jesus' attitude, attitude towards Judas? Um, and it opens up their eyes because they never thought about this. How, how do we have peace among each other in the communities? Is vengeance the answer? If one person does something wrong to the other person and it just goes back and forth, vicious cycle, vengeance doesn't get you anywhere. But peace comes when we forgive and are forgiven. So 
just get, gives you kind of an idea of the, the way people live uh, down there. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Um, and uh, alcohol is always a big part of what they do. It's, it's in everything. Every religious festival includes alcohol, drunkenness. Um, they just believe that that's what God's will is for them in, in all their activities. They think God's, God wants us to get as drunk as possible. So that's what they do. These guys are just completely uh, wasted, basically. And so um, we think of that, like, wh- what's going to change their, what's going to change this? The only thing is the gospel, showing how Christ, what Christ did was sufficient for us. His work on the cross was everything we need. Nothing we can do in ourselves will do anything to gain his favor. And it will free them, free them from all these things that hold them uh, in, in uh, slavery to sin. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Um, how do we pray? Verse 30, it says, it says verse 15, chapter 15, verse 30, Paul says, I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. For those that aren't called to go, we have to strive together. This is something that we can't do. We cannot change these people's hearts. We can't change their lifestyle. This is only something God can show them, can reveal to them, but you guys have a big part of that. The church, Paul says, Paul wouldn't have said it if it wasn't true. He says, strive together with me that I would be protected. We know that God changes the hearts when people pray. Hopefully this becomes a part of, I, left, I want to leave you this picture that, that you think about these areas where, where there is no gospel outreach yet. But, but you guys can be striving together with us through prayer so that these people might be one to Christ. Because if even now as we pray for them, God can be stirring their hearts so that when we are able to teach them, there's already spirit moving in their, in their lives. Pray for this, these areas. Pray for the, all over the world, not just Mexico. Pray for laborers. Jesus said, pray that God would raise up laborers. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And then in the next chapter, he says, and God sent them out, 12 of them. There was many people following him, and he selected 12 of them. Not everyone's going to go, but we have an obligation to pray that God would raise up more. Is this part of our daily prayer? Is this part of our lifestyle that we pray that God would raise up more workers? It needs to be that God would raise up people who are doctors, nurses, literacy workers, church planners that would go to these places where we're not really wanted. People don't really want us, but they need Jesus. Would you be willing to pray? Some of you, would you be willing to go? Would you leave, would you leave Wyoming? I know Wyoming's great, but Mexico's pretty cool too. The weather's better, I'll tell you that. That should get you... Uh, Right now, you don't really care because it's all sunny and, sunny and warm, but come December, maybe you should rethink about where you live, huh? <laughs> no, but seriously, consider, consider helping the team. Consider going somewhere else. Consider, consider going to a place where the gospel is not uh, gotten to yet because we're driven by this. They need to hear to be able to understand. So let's pray, and just thank you for you guys' time for, for letting us be here. Lord, we praise you for your work uh, in Mexico. We thank you for the work here in, in Laramie, that you are uh, building your kingdom here. We, uh, it's a uh, joy to see so, so many people coming together to worship, to listen to the word, people that value the preaching of the word. Uh, we pray that you bless this church and bless the, the people that are uh, giving and going and uh, discipling, uh, that you would continue to um, build your church, send people out, 
Uh, we, our hearts are, are thinking about the lost, the unreached, and we pray that you would do a work among them. We just uh, thank you for your power, that you worked mightily through signs and wonders to show that you are, you are a great God over everything else, over everybody, over any other power, and we worship you for it. We praise you for it. We just pray that you'd uh, bless this, the services this afternoon with, uh, in, in Virginia Dale. Thank you for the, the work going on there, that you would uh, continue to bless, bless them. And um, we, lift up, uh, we lift up your holy name and praise you. In your name we pray. Amen.